Hi, I'm Carrie Adams and you're listening to Carrie's Corner. Here we talk to the movers and shakers, the drinkers, the dreamers, the people who make it happen in the liquor industry around the world. So, let's get sipping. Well, hello, everybody, and today I'm very fortunate to have in my studio with me Justin van Veek. Not only is, one, is he one of our top, top, top winemakers in the country at the moment, but he also has just won the Diners Club Winemaker of the Year Award, which I was privileged enough to chair the tasting panel on. So I thought that it would be just the right time for him to come on air and talk to us and tell us why we should all be drinking Constantia Glen this Christmas. Justin, hi, and welcome to Carrie's Corner. Thank you very much, Carrie. Yeah, thanks for the invite. And congratulations. I mean, that is one hectic award to win. Yeah, I, I'm still floating. I still feel like, a, you know, it still feels unreal and um, really, really enjoyed the, the past couple of weeks. Yes. And yeah, no, it's a, it's a fantastic achievement. I, I couldn't be more happy for really for the estate, for Constantia Glen uh, um, mostly. Um, you know, Constantia Glen has really uh, stuck to its guns as a border-focused producer. Yes. And I think, uh, yeah, finally, you know, I think the vineyards are maturing and, and we're starting to see that in the wines. Yeah, and, and you know, you boys are always so um, modest and humble, which is just the way we like it, the way I like it. But it is it is a team effort, but it is all very much led by you. You are the conductor of that of that symphony, and so we. I am going to brag about you for the entire duration of this of this um, interview because it's it's justified. Um, Justin, yeah. you you went to. I know that you're a Stelis graduate. You studied viticulture and enology there, didn't you? But you grew up. Not in the Western Cape. Well, yeah, I did. Okay, so I did grow up in the Western Cape, but very much on the border. <laughs> um, so in the Karoo, um, uh, it's pretty much a, a little area called the Sikuchat, but it's in the middle between Beaufort West and Klaarstroom. And so our farm is roughly... 40 kilometers from the Eastern Cape border. So, but it is within the Western Cape. I mean, but definitely who, not wine growing. Who in the world comes? Not wine growing country. Who in the world admits to coming from a place called Sikuchat? Isn't that Hippo Hole? Or <laughs> what does that mean in English? Hippo's Hole? <laughs> <laughs> I think it is. Yeah. Yeah. Hippo's Water Hole. I don't know. Yeah. But uh, anyway, it's. Uh, <laughs> uh, I mean that's the only that's the only sort of road sign that lead, that that is sort of it's it's literally um, our family farm where my where I grew up and you know where my parents were sheep farmers uh, we still are my older brother is still a sheep farmer in that in, on on our family farm fantastic it's a um, yeah actually a farm called Trakaskalen and it's literally seventy kilometers from the nearest town so it's it's properly rural. It's um, very romantic and, and for anybody who's been to the Karoo, you have to know that it's an extremely special place. It it comes alive at night. It sort of sings and hums yeah. and, and whistles during the day when it's so hot. And then at night, there's just a million birds and insects and plant life that sort of come. It's, it's a fabulous place. I actually love the Karoo. I can't imagine living there. It must be quite a hard life, but I do love the Karoo. Yeah. 
Justin, where did you go to school if you were if you were from farms farming land in, in so, Sikuhat? Yeah, no, it was. Uh, I mean, I was boarding uh, in a boarding house from grade one. Oh, um, so in first in Grafenet and then in Otsuen, and then I went to uh, high school. I went to Bishops in Cape Town. So, so you've got all the stripes, all the pips and stripes, <laughs> hey? So, so yeah, and, and I think that's you know coming to Cape Town was really that was my exposure to the winelands for the first time, and I thought you know that's. Uh, it's a lot greener and a lot more lush and a lot more attractive than, than yes. some of the dry years in the Karoo. Yes. And yeah, and I, and I always wanted to do something in agriculture. So that's actually why I, you know, I got an interest in, in viticulture and I did some, actually in grade 11, did some back work at uh, Fruit Constantia, okay. which is down the road here. And, and actually that's where sort of, yeah, that's where, it all started, you know, my interest in, in viticulture. Oh, fantastic. So. And you've also done a couple of vintages in other lands on planet Earth. Tell us about those. Yes. So, um, you like me, so you love Saint Emilion, don't you? That's right. Oh. I absolutely love Saint Emilion. Mm. I, so after I graduated in 2007 from Stanwash University, I actually started here at Constantia again in January 2008. Um, as the assistant winemaker and, you know, whilst I was at that point really uh, still young, uh, I was able to do, you know, Northern Hemisphere harvests in our, in our off season. So in 2008, I did a three month harvest in Saint Emilio at Chateau Belfont Belsier and Chateau Trianon with uh, Dominique Hebrard. Yes. So Dominique's family used to own Chateau Cheval Blanc for Something like seven generations, and then, oh, can you uh, imagine? Can you imagine knowing that you could uh, almost have inherited Chateau Cheval Blanc? That's sort of wrist slitting <laughs> stuff, isn't it? Well, I think they, yeah, they, they sold. I'm not sure why, but <laughs> yeah, I, mean, I think they sold to the, the what's it, the LV Major. Yes. So yeah, um, and yeah, but anyway, it, it was a fantastic experience. It was really, you know, that trip to Bordeaux. I was young. I must have. 24 or something and um you know it was just an eye-opening experience because i got to visit first growth uh chateaus um I know. You know, obviously Cheval blanc uh angelus and then but also margot or Brion, and it was really an eye-opening experience it is i think and, it makes uh, a massive impact and a huge difference to the way you see the world absolutely. of wine forever isn't it yeah really it really does i mean there's just so much history there and, um, yeah, and then obviously the wines and I, and I, and I, you know, visit and obviously, okay, I did work in Saint Emilio, mm. but, uh, I was so close to Saint Emilio that, so I worked there, um, Matt Day of Plank Constantia. Yes. Him and I, uh, went together. Okay. So him and I, we studied together and then we went to work in France together and we actually started in Constantia also in the same year. That's amazing. He is so, now a gorgeous boy and a yeah. very smart winemaker too. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Uh, he's uh, he's making some really smart Sauvignon Blanc, mm. and and the Vanderkonstanz is amazing. Yes, so, yes. Yeah, no, so and yeah, but anyway, that was before we became good winemakers. So <laughs> yeah, we had a really good time in uh, in France, uh, also with uh, Aria Boerter, who's uh, you know cellar master at Plain Yes. Yeah, we we had a fantastic time in, in France in 2008, and then I also did a harvest in. Uh, California, 
um, at Cade and Plum Jack Wineries. Um, yeah, that was in 2010. And that must yeah. have been, I mean, I haven't been to Napa. It's on my bucket list. I'm currently looking for a gap and a somebody to go to Napa with because I don't want to go on my own. But yeah. it's just, it's sort of blossomed over the last 15 to 20 years. You know, I was extremely rude about Californian wine for a long time, certainly when I was studying. And it's come <laughs> along in such leaps and bounds, and there's so much beautiful wine coming out of Napa. And again, all our winemakers who have been in Napa for some time, even if it's just one harvest, have come back and they've all just got a stamp on them. I think it just gives you, it rounds off your worldliness really, doesn't it? Yeah, it was it was also a really fascinating experience. And what I really enjoyed about uh, Napa is that it was a completely, um, you know, it was working with the same varieties, a lot of Cabernet yes. Sauvignon, obviously, but also it was a Bordeaux varieties, Merlot, um, you know, mainly, but mainly Cabernet Sauvignon. But it was just a completely different experience and a different approach, actually, to, to making wine. Um, so I, I particularly enjoyed the contrast, I must say, between the Saint Mignon experience and then the, the Napa experience. And, um, it was just fascinating, you know, to see how basically what I realized, you know, between working in South Africa and then in France and then in Napa is that there's so many different ways of making wine. Yeah. You know, one doesn't have to follow a certain recipe. If someone says it has to be done this way, um, it certainly doesn't. And I think, uh, it's just fascinating how. You know, even in Napa, they were making some fantastic cabs um, at Plumjack from really old vines, um, which were trellised completely different to what, you know, VSP trellising we would do here in Constantia, for example. Yes. And, um, yeah, it was just, it was, it was a really interesting experience. I, yeah, I think I, I think, you know, if I had to say which, which wine region of those two would I go live in and work in today if I, if I, was able to, I would definitely say Saint Mignon, but it's purely because I just think it was it was so relaxed. It's beautiful, and, uh, and aside from anything yeah. else, Saint hey. Mignon is one of the prettiest little towns I've ever been to in my entire life. I don't know who laid it out. I don't know who the dominant architect was or architects were, <laughs> but it is one of the most beautiful little villages. Well, it's not a village; it's a town. Um, it's absolutely yeah, beautiful. I mean, it dates back to something like, it dates back, I mean, that architect, or if you want to call them that, was, it was something like the year 1100 <laughs> or something like that. So, I know, it's yeah. just got this gorgeous charm. And, of course, it brings us to where you are now because Saint Emilion, if you love Cabernet Franc, you go to Saint Emilion, which I do, and you clearly do as well. Yeah. And yeah. The blend of yours that won for everybody, I'm just going to tell you again, Justin is the Diners Club Winemaker of the Year this year for 2021 <laughs> stroke 22. And, and he won it with his Constantia Glen five. But now talk to us about these wines because there's been an evolution of those wines since 2008. Tell us. Yes. Uh, so the, well, I mean, the Constantia Glen five has been, you know, from the start has been the outset was to Use the very best uh, possible Bordeaux style red blend, encompassing all five Bordeaux varieties, and we do grow all five of those varieties on the property. Mm. So uh, the Constantia Glen Vineyard was planted in the year 2000 and 2001, 
And uh, yeah, the first wines were made in 2007. I joined in 2008. So the idea has always been to produce the very best possible wine uh, from the estate. And I think what, you know, in the early years, yes, there was a, there was sort of different. One year we'd be Merlot driven, the other year yes. we'd be Cabernet driven. And I think it's really in the early years, we even had one year, the 2009 vintage where it was driven by Petit Bordeaux. Um, but it's, you know, and the reason for the, those early vintages being sort of slightly uh, different in their makeup is that I, th- I think we were getting to know our vineyards and, uh, you know, we were only making wine for, from these vineyards for the first time. And, uh, from, from about 2011, um, yeah, I took over as winemaker in 2011, sorry. And then it was, for me, it, we, we also produced the Constantia Glen 3, which is yes. our Merlot-driven blend and our more approachable wine. And the Constantia Glen 5, I just felt we wanted to, it to have ageability and structure. And so it was always Cabernet-driven. But when I say Cabernet, it could be either Cabernet Sauvignon or Cabernet Franc. And to this day, we still have vintages. So it does depend on the vintage, whether it's driven by Cabernet Franc or Cabernet yes. Sauvignon. Yes. But it's... The, the, those two varieties generally at least make up uh, 60% of the... Of yes. So, um, yeah, and I mean, you, you love Cabernet Franc. I have a, a particular affection for Cabernet Franc, and uh, the reason is simply that I think Cabernet Franc, where we are located, um, it has the ability to produce some of the yeah, the finest wines in the I cellar. agree with you. I do. If you think of it, there's another, Cabernet, f- there's another Cabernet Franc that comes from... I've got COVID brain. Help me. That absolutely gorgeous, daft, crazy man down in the valley who makes in, in Constantia, not Bo Constantia, Constantia. Uh, hi, Cons- hi, hi, Constantia. Hi, Constantia. Yeah. What's his name? David. He's Finica. gorgeous. David Fenica. Yeah. And he, of all his wines, his Cabernet Franc is absolutely the best of all yes. his wines. Yeah. So I agree with yeah, you that valley is definitely destined for for beautiful cabinet yeah. francs. And I mean and even at um at Baton for Buffing, yes. uh Brad is making some fantastic yeah. cabinet franc and it's always obviously been a, a major component of the Christine, Christine. yes. The, the the reason that I think Cabernet Franc is also uh, you know a variety and we've actually just planted another uh, 0.6 hectares of Cabernet Franc uh this year. Um is it, it actually ripens a lot earlier than Cabernet Sauvignon. So it's, it's, it definitely ripens, I would say a month earlier or four weeks earlier than Cabernet Sauvignon. So it's, um, yeah, it's a variety that as a result of that, you can, you can manipulate the viticulture and you can either, you know, give, you can give it tremendous hang time if the, if the vintage allows it. Yes. And, um, and it, it's, yeah, and our, and our, we've got this amazing cool climate. Um, here at Constantia Glen, obviously Constantia is a cool climatic region. Um, but you're right at the top, in, aren't you? You're right at the very, very right top. top yeah. yeah. So we, we're about 220 meters or up to 270 meters above sea level. Mm. So the, the, the altitude obviously allows it to be cooler yes. than the valley floor. And also we've got these slopes that face, uh, northeast. So as a result of that, we're getting this, the, you know, sun. early morning mm. sun. And, the northern elevation is obviously good for red varieties. And I think the, the biggest sort of difference with Constantia Glen and the reason why we are actually one of the Constantia properties planted majority to red grape varieties, and we already planted the, the Bordeaux red varieties. 
And the reason for that is we've got this Constantia neck to the west of us. Yes. So when the sun sets in the in the late afternoon, we've got about an extra hour of sunlight on our vineyards when the valley is already in yeah. Trend. So it's it's absolutely perfect. Yeah, I I can remember yeah, when so I can remember when Gus came to visit me and told me about this farm. Um, yeah. and they were planting vineyard, what have you. I was so, I was so fascinated that they were looking to plant much more red than white because I've always been a proponent of whites from Constantia because you do make some of the best Absolutely. whites in the world. Um, and yeah. then when I realized that you've got that neck where as the sun goes over, cause I mean, if you go and live in Constantia, you have to know that your, your light and water bill is going to be hectic because you turn your lights on at three o'clock in the afternoon. It goes dark. On that side of the mountain, but yeah. then you've got the other side of the mountain as well, as you say, which can just yeah. extend that ripening the sun for that ripening time. You know, it's fabulous. It's perfectly placed. Yeah, no, it really, it really is a, a tremendous benefit for our reds. And I think, yeah, the farm was when when it was planted, it was planted a lot, to a lot more uh, red varieties than we have now. I think when it was planted, it was ninety percent yes. red and only ten percent white. Today, though, you know. Obviously, it's been 20 years since we planted the vineyards and we, we understand the locations better. So we have regrafted some of those uh, older or earlier plantings. We've regrafted to Sauvio Blanc okay. where, where the site is more conducive to Sauvio Blanc. So today we've got uh, 30% Sauvio Blanc and 70% uh, order varieties. Yeah. And, and Justin, you... You've been there. I mean, you're obviously not making a plan to go anywhere else. You've got your own family label as well, haven't you? Do you still make wine for your family label? Yes, absolutely. Yeah, the Van Vake family wines uh, is still very much uh, happening and it's actually growing. Mm -hmm. So, um, yeah, no, I, and as, as you said, uh, you know, it's a fantastic sort of collaboration between myself and uh, Constantia Glenn because I'm able to make the wines here and the wines are sold uh, from Constantia. Are they? I was going so, to ask you where yeah. where listeners can buy that Van Veek family wines from because it is delicious yeah. wine. I have tasted it before in my lifetime. It's completely delicious, and <laughs> I think that I think that yours and Constantia Glens is a perfect example for wine farm owners as to how you can sort of collaborate with your winemaker to include their own label as well as yours yes. because there's often a lot of conflict isn't there especially in south africa where winemakers want to sort of spread their wings a bit and make their own little brand and the farm that they're working for feels that there might be a, con a conflict of interests yeah i think the reason it's worked for us is that um is that both the constantia glenn brand and my brand are very focused um on Stylistically, should I say? Yes. So the Constantia Glen brand is focused on Bordeaux style reds, Sauvignon Blanc, and a Bordeaux style white. Um, you know, it's sort of unwavering in that in that sort of vision, and uh, it's an estate brand. And you know, the the owner Alexander Weibel, he him and I started talking. It was in 2015, so it was a good while ago already. You know about how we actually have an opportunity as a as a place because we, of our fantastic proximity to Cape Town and, you know, to tourism yes. and so forth. We have, we have an opportunity to sell more wine. Yes. Um, but in order not to sort of taint the Constantia Glen brand and the, the vision for Constantia Glen, uh, it was, it, it was more conducive actually to, to start 
my own brand where, you know, it's buying grapes in yes. from majority from older vineyards in the warmer regions and, and, and it, yeah, creating a, an entirely separate identity yes. that, that doesn't, it doesn't provide any conflict. No, it doesn't stand fact, on anybody's toes, does it? It's great. And you don't get no, taken away uh, from your cellar. You can make, you can vinify absolutely. your own wines in the Constantia Glen yeah. cellar. So I think it's been very clever and, and, and additive and advantageous yeah. all round. Um, those yeah. wines, those Van Veek, and, and we're not going to spend too much time. I can interview you separately on those, but you say you buy those from the <laughs> cellar door at Constantia Glen. Where else can my listeners get them if they want to try? Cause you are the winemaker of the year, you know. Yeah, yeah, sure. Uh, also, it's uh, up in Johannesburg at, uh, Dry Dock Liquors, uh, Norman Goodfellows, um, and, and I have a website. Okay, that's perfect. <laughs> that's perfect. <laughs> uh, I managed to figure that out. Uh, yeah, when, uh, when, when no one could visit us anymore, we had to set up a website. For the, it's so for funny so, yes, you mentioned that. I, do have a I was I was chatting yeah. to Christine Rodman, and in fact, um, she will also appear on the on the Biz News Power Hour this evening on FMR. You and her. Um, and we were just saying how poor wine farmers, and we do love you all dearly, but so technically challenged and not really marketing orientated. And you've all done so incredibly well during this sort of lockdown period. And you've all got little websites yeah. where people can buy a pop online and buy a wine. I think it's fabulous. Yeah, I mean, my website is literally, it was, it was created in a, in a rather big hurry, <laughs> um, you know, when, when, when the cellar door sales closed. And, um, yeah, it was, it was amazing the support that, uh, that I got on that. Um, and it was just, it's, it's not much of a website that will give you too much information, but it's a very easy website, you know, just do two clicks and you place your order and you. That's all you want. That's all you want. Yeah. That's as easy as it had to be. So the vintage that, that won you your, your prize, just elucidate so that. Nobody rushes out and buys the wrong vintage because I'm sure that there is going to be a big scramble for this delicious wine. Yeah, it's the 2017 vintage um, of the Constantia Glen Five, and yeah, it was. Uh, it, it, it well, we've sold out of it from the cellar, but there's definitely some of it um, on the market, and uh, and we do we do also have. Uh, we still have the magnums available of the 2017. Yes. And you have so, to have some available because otherwise you're not allowed to win the competition. So you're not allowed to fib too many, exactly. too many porky pies here online because we have yeah. to, we have to be able to sell to some of our diners club people, members and what have you. So there is some of the Constantia yeah. Glen 5 2017 available if you dig very, very yes. deep. And if you pay, if you pay Constantia Glen, Loads and loads and loads of money. You can probably get a magnum if you ask Justin very nicely. Justin, if I were to ask you, um, of all the things that you've done in your wine career, this must surely be one of the zeniths. Absolutely. Yeah. It's definitely one of the zeniths. I wouldn't say. <laughs> Let's uh, hope there are many. Um, <laughs> yeah, exactly. Um, but yeah, definitely it's, yeah, it's been an amazing, um, you know, a couple of weeks and, and just the, the whole, you know, the excitement of it, I think is the whole fact, the fact that the whole Diners Club, you know, it, it's done so, so well, um, you know, it's completely blind and yeah, yeah. literally there, one has absolutely no idea. They, 
all all six finalists are yeah i mean it's very interesting because <laughs> you all six finalists they say you got to send wine uh to the venue of the dinner where they announce the the winner i mean all six finalists have to send six yes. cases of the wine so you don't know you see you don't know and then only and i mean only one of the wines gets served with dinner and, and then yeah it'll feel terrible because then everyone else has to go fetch their wine I know. The after the dinner. But, well you know i've um, been but yeah i mean it's just things like that where they really keep it yeah they, they there's nothing that it is the best kept secret in the entire wine industry and I can tell you that for sure because I have yeah. tasted for them for 16 going on 17 years I think and I've chaired those panels oh, wow. for the last four or five years I think and I can tell you as true as I'm yeah. sitting here that I am the last person to know who has won that <laughs> award. But aside from, yeah. aside from the excitement and, and the wonderful way in which Diners Club insists that we handle it. And I think they are still, um, the longest running sponsor of the same competition in South Africa, um, in the entire country. I think that the Diners Club winemaker award, Hugh Peatling put it in place. I think I can't even read. We, we celebrated. 30 years. It was 1980. Yeah, it was 30 or uh, 40, 41 41 years. years, That's right. So it is, it is quite a special award and it's, it's internationally recognized because Diners Club is an international brand. And at the moment, we've got a fantastic MD by way of Eshnaidu. He's, he is alarmingly good for the brand. And of course, we can't have any interview about Diners Club without mentioning Hester Hahn. She she really does work tirelessly, endlessly, and unbelievably hard to make all of this happen. But along with all the excitement comes a lot of um well, first of all, there's a prize. What are you going to do with your prize? Which is a trip to any wine region in the world, really, isn't it? Any wine region in the world. Yeah. Where are you gonna go? Uh, gosh, I got very excited and then these when these travel bands hit us, I thought, oh, this is not not a good sign. But yeah, I mean, obviously, hopefully, sometime next year. Um, where am I going to go? I mean, I, I really want to go, obviously, somewhere where I've not been uh, before. So, uh, one of the yeah, it's uh, it's a tough one. I've um, <laughs> I haven't really thought of it to be honest. But I'd love to visit, like, um, I'd love to visit Alsace. Oh. Either Alsace or um, or the Rhone. So I haven't. Well, I, haven't I was. I don't want to influence you in any way, but I spent one of the happiest weeks of my life in Alsace. It is the yeah. most magical region. So, Rick Veer. Yeah, this is what I've heard. Is a little. Uh, it's a little town that has Christmas the yeah. whole year round. So all the shops are Christmassy shops, and I love Christmas. I've been playing Christmas music in my house since October. I drive everybody completely bats, but I love Christmas. <laughs> so Rekvere is a little Christmas town, which is too beautiful. You almost feel like you're living in an advent calendar. And every day you can <laughs> pop out of that. No, you can <laughs> pop out of that door and you can go into another Michelin-starred restaurant. You can go into another absolutely fantastic winery. I mean, Johnny Hugel 
at the time, I, I don't know that Johnny Hugel's still alive even. I better not say that on air because he might still be and he might hear me and phone me and say, what the? But he he has the most amazing winery. You have to go. You have to go to, to Alsace. That would be my first. And if you want to, come next time you're in Johannesburg, come and stay at Shea Adams, and I will give you some wines from Alsace that will change your mind forever. And I'll well, that that's actually the main reason for wanting to go there is because I absolutely, yeah, the, you know, the old Rieslings that I have from Alsace are just yeah, no, they're extraordinary. But equally so, I agree with you. The Rhine, um, the Mosel, it's just, it's just very special. And if you want to hone your white wine skills, um, we all know that you're the best red wine maker. But if you want to hone your white <laughs> ones, of course, yeah. Germany is extraordinary and not many people know that some of the most beautiful white wines in the world come out and some of the most expensive come out of of germany and alsace so that's a goodie so you're definitely not heading to australia or hungary you could go and you could go and visit um razvan machichi yes where is he is he in hungary somewhere like that anyway yeah Anyway, <laughs> you, you, I think it's for you yeah. and, and your wife. I think you're, you're allowed to take somebody with no. you. Or have we changed those rules? No, no, no. It's just myself, but I'm sure she'll come along. Yeah. Absolutely. She absolutely <laughs> has to because she's given you the, the biggest yeah. praises of your life other than what Diners Club has given yeah. you. And you've got two, absolutely. two little babies, haven't you? Two daughters. Mm. Yeah. No, they are. Yeah. So I'm sure they, yeah, they, they probably have. You know, they'll probably want to stop off at uh, Euro Disney yes. or something like that on the way. Yes. And there's nothing <laughs> wrong with a splash of Paris and, and what have you in your veins before you go on to somewhere else. There's absolutely nothing wrong with that. Exactly. No. Well, Justin, I just have to say yeah, to no, you. So it's exciting times No, ahead. it's very exciting times ahead. Is there anything that we need to know about to expect from Constantia Glen in the next year? Are you planning anything new? No, I mean, we, we literally are, you know, and that's the thing, we're sticking to our guns. And uh, what we're really focusing on at Constantia Glen is, um, you know, it's just honing the, the vineyards, trying to make, we've, we've got vineyards that are now 20 years old and we just want to keep them in the ground. So it's about, you know, doing a lot of work in the vineyards in terms of remo- removing leaf roll virus vines and then, uh, replanting those with new vines. So we, we want to increase the average age of our vineyards, um, over the next, that's, that's the goal over the next uh, 20 years is not to actually replace vineyards, but trying to increase the, the age of those vineyards. Yes. Um, and, uh, but yes, we, you know, we, we are doing, we, what we're planting at the moment, we're trying to, uh, you know, Focus on the production of our flagship red, which is the Constantia Glen 5, and our flagship white, which is the Constantia Glen 2, um, which is the blend of Sauvignon Blanc and Semior. So we've, uh, we've planted more Semior on, uh, on south facing slopes, and we've just planted, like I said, a bit more Cabernet Franc on a north, on a northeast facing, very rocky sandstone soil. Um, so yeah, and I'm just, yeah, really looking forward to these, these vineyards coming to production and, yeah. Otherwise, well, we're looking. I we're mean, looking forward we, to those vineyards coming into production as well because yeah. we love your wines. You really, really have yeah. worked hard, Justin, and you deserve everything that you get. It's a beautiful farm. You are really 
um, elevating it as high as you possibly can. I can remember the early days when Carl Lamboer was there, and yes. we used to sit in my house in Bryanston and dream about where Constantia Glen was going to be in 20 years' time. And, and here we are. It is right up there at the top of the heap, at the top of the Christmas tree. So well done to you and well done to the whole team. And thank you so much for taking time to talk with me on Kerry's Corner. Thank you, Kerry. Thanks again.